Hear now God's word for God speaks through his word into the midst of our hearts. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discernment, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the way of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and whose, who are devious in their ways. So you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is God's word. May he bless it and let us pray together. Oh, our God, indeed, you do speak, and you have spoken to us in your word. And your word says that the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And so we ask that your voice would speak powerfully this morning. We pray that you would help us to hear even the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as he has become our wisdom we pray that your word would do exactly what it intends to do, that it would not return to you void, and that you would uh, fix in our hearts your majesty and your power. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Before uh, a army officer becomes an officer, he must go through a, a years of training as an army cadet, and um, one of the uh, necessary elements of uh, officer training is uh, experience in leadership, in uh, actual hands-on leadership activities, since a, a leader is going to practice those things in the battlefield or um, even behind the scenes, uh, they need to exercise those things. And uh, when I was a cadet, every single time I was in an official leadership position, I, had, I was evaluated on a series of leadership criteria and was given a score for each of those things. Um, and of those criteria, there were two that I often felt like were contradictory to each other. And one of them was decisiveness, and the other was judgment. Decisiveness, of course, means your uh, quickness to make a decisive uh, decision and to communicate that um, judgment dealt with the outcome of uh, your decisions. Now, obviously, those things aren't contradictory, uh, absolutely, but when you have inexperience 
in leading, they can seem contradictory because um, where you where you fall as a leader is going to fall on one side or the other. Either you're going to want to make uh, quick decisions and be decisive, but that could lead to a bad result. Or you might be very focused on trying to make the right decision, but without that experience, you're going to kind of hem and haw about what is the right path. And so you're going to appear indecisive. And I think when it comes to our daily lives, we, we often are in between those poles as well, as well um, where we struggle with making decisions or struggle with making good decisions. And largely that it's not so much because of experience, because so much of life is something that the uniqueness of each individual experience is such that we, we can't have enough experience to properly assess every situation. What we need is wisdom. Uh, we need to understand something. And there's, there's something about us that recognizes that um, this wisdom that we have, we, we can't cultivate that wisdom from ourselves. Uh, it's not something that we can muster up in ourselves from our own experience and build that up. That is, that is one source of wisdom. But ultimately, I think we, we feel this tension that we need a wisdom that is from outside of us, that needs to be given to us to understand uh, the way that things work. It's something that's planted in us from the very beginning of our lives when our parents speak that wisdom into us. And I think that is hinting at the fact that we need a wisdom ultimately from God. And that's, as we look at Proverbs chapter 2, um, what we can see clearly is that uh, God does give wisdom. He gives wisdom to those who will receive it. And so we need to be careful and diligent in receiving that wisdom so that we can be truly wise. Um, there's, a, there's a theme throughout this chapter that you may or may not have caught, and that is a theme of treasure, that God is telling us that part of the necessary reception of that wisdom is that we value God's wisdom as treasure. Uh, and if we view it as treasure, we will receive it as such, and it will be valuable to us. And so we'll look through the passage under three headings related to treasure. Um, the first is, we'll see in verses 1 to 4, that uh, this, is, this treasure is ours if we receive it. And then we'll see that this treasure is valuable because God gives it. Uh, but third, this treasure protects so that we can truly keep it. So it starts by uh, saying that this treasure is ours if we receive it. Now, um, in mobile application development, so uh, phones and tablets, there is something that you may have heard before, something that we call push and pull technology. Okay, So if you're looking through the settings of your phone or your tablet, you may have seen something about receiving push notifications. What push and pull technology has to do with is the reception of data or the relationship of data coming from the internet to your device. Okay, So push technology like, is like text messages. You're not doing anything and a notification comes into your phone and you receive it. It's been pushed to you. Pull technology is like you're going to a website. You're looking for something and you're asking for that data and it's coming down at your request. 
bring that up because in verses 1 to 4, we see two instances of push technology and two instances of pull technology that refer to how we receive this wisdom that God gives us. And we need to be prepared to receive or to pursue that wisdom on both of those things. So first, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments. There's a necessity that we are ready to receive those words and view them as treasure. It's a valuing of the words. You're going to receive them if you think that they're something valuable, and you're going to treasure them as such. So first is receiving those words. And then he says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So not only are you receiving, but you're also preparing to receive. He says, making your ear attentive, tuning, like tuning your ear to hearing God's wisdom. Perhaps you've, if you've had kids in your household, you've had situations where you have called to them and they have not responded and you have had this conversation like we've had in our house where you say, I called you and they say, well, I didn't hear you. And you say, well, you need to tune your ears to hear me when I hear my voice. When I call to you, I expect you to come down. And magically, all of a sudden they begin to hear after they've had that conversation about the tuning of their ears. And that's what God is asking us to do is to make our ears attentive, to be ready to hear that wisdom. And then he says, inclining our heart. So it's not just the ears to hear, but also the heart to receive. If we see that this wisdom that God is giving is valuable in his treasure, we'll prepare ourselves for it. So he moves from the receiving of the passive recipient or its active recipient of that to an active seeking for that. He says in verse 3, yes, if you call out for insight... And raise your voice for understanding. There's an obligation that we have that if we see this as something valuable and we see that this is coming from God himself, we are going to call out for it. We're going to look for it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to ask for it. And we're also going to seek it. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it, again, as for hidden treasure, there's a diligence in trying to find this wisdom that God has. So these four different verbs, this receiving, preparing, asking, and seeking, these are all means of trying to receive this wisdom that God gives us. And, and he, he describes it as though it's treasure. And elsewhere in Proverbs, it says this. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get knowledge is to be chosen over silver. And hopefully you also heard it in our passage from Job chapter 28. Job was saying that this wisdom is, is far, it can't even be compared with pure gold. It's, it's greater than gold. So I think we have to ask ourselves, like, do you, do you value wisdom? Like, we certainly value gold. But do you value wisdom and God's wisdom as greater than gold, as, as, as treasure? And... Um, but it's valuable because of the source. It's valuable because of where it's coming from. And it's valuable because it's God who's giving it. Um, notice that it's, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up 
my commandments. Um, and if you call out for insight from God, if you are seeking for that wisdom in God himself, and look at the result, you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now this is Solomon that's writing this, and he's saying, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, but remember, Solomon recognizes wisely that the wisdom that he has is the wisdom that God had given to him. He had, he had been the one that said, I don't know how to lead these people. I don't have that wisdom. He asked the Lord for wisdom. The Lord bestowed his wisdom upon him and lavished it. And now Solomon's passing it along to his son. He's saying, if you receive my words, this is, this is wisdom from God. This is that wisdom. And that's where the value is. And God is saying, I'm going to speak to you. Be prepared to listen. Prepare your heart to receive it. And in fact, if you ask me for it, I will give it to you. And if you seek it, you will find it. And isn't, isn't that what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter 7, he said, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so there, that ought to give us hope because we know that we know we need this wisdom. We want the, the best wisdom, wisdom that can't even be compared with gold. And God is saying he's willing to give it to us. In fact, he's saying, I'm giving it to you. <laughs> Listen to it. And if you come to me, I will, I will receive, I will, I will, I will give you even more. And then he says, he says something like, uh, where is it? He says in verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. It gives, gives you this impression of, you know, like this father who has this college savings account that he's preparing so that when his child is ready to go off to college, he can say, I'm storing this up. All you need is you, when you're ready to go, I'm ready to lavish this on you. And he's, he's saying, I, I, I've, I've been collecting this wisdom, which is at your disposal when you are ready to receive it. I'm willing to give it to you. So our God is gracious, and he's the giver of it. But this, this wisdom is also valuable because it protects um, it's, it's valuable because it's from God, but it also protects so that we can keep it. Um, that we, he says, uh, says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. This is verse 7. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. So there's a, there seems to be a confusion of who, is it, is it God who is, doing the protecting, or is it the wisdom that will be doing the protecting? It says, he stores up sound wisdom. He is a shield, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you, you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Um, and then it says, verse 11, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. It's a, it's a gift that God gives that is a means of protecting us in the midst of 
the life that we live. And it protects in three ways. I counted three ways. He says, it's watching over you, and it's in verse 12, it is delivering you from the way of evil. So this wisdom is showing you what is good from God's perspective and what is evil and is delivering you from that evil. Uh, from men whose paths are crooked, who are devious in their ways. So it's delivering you from the, the way of evil. But secondly, verse 16, it's delivering you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, her conniving words, her seductive words. It says it, this, is, this is important. It says, verse 18, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back nor do they regain the paths of life. There's, there's real, true danger in the way of evil and the forbidden woman. So the, this wisdom is protecting in, from those things. But then third, it's not just protecting from things, but protecting two things. Verse 20, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. You will walk in the way of good, not just avoiding evil, but walking in the way of good. And here's why this is important. Here's why it's a protection that, that keeps us in this safety. He says, verse 21, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. We need that wisdom to avoid the path of evil so that we are not cut off. We need the wisdom so that we would walk in the good path, so that we would remain in it. It is a protection that keeps, it protects us so that we can keep it. All right, so look, we've talked about this, this is, this is God's viewing this as treasure, but let's, let's put a fine point on what is the treasure. What is it that, that we are being called to pursue? Um, it, is, it is God's wisdom that is being revealed as the treasure. It is God's wisdom that is doing this, that is the, 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 the valued treasure. It is coming from God, and it is the wisdom that is protecting us. So where does this wisdom come from? Or what is this wisdom? And I think we're right to start by saying this wisdom is every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we would say that it is God's wisdom in God's word that is that, that wisdom. We believe God's word to be true and eternal and infallible, breathed out by God himself for us. And so every aspect of God's word is that wisdom. We speak of the ordinary means of grace, which are God's word, the sacraments, and prayer which are means for us to receive and meditate and appropriate this wisdom that, has God, that God has given to us. And there is no other way or no more clearer way to receive God's wisdom and truth than God's word. No, no way that God speaks more clearly to us than in his word. Now you might be saying, well, I don't think it's very clear. It seems much more difficult to me to understand than you're making it sound. Uh, you're making it sound 
like it's clear. And to that I would say, it is clear, but at the same time it may be difficult for us to understand. And I'll give you a sports analogy because I like sports. When I was a kid, I liked, uh, I pretty much exclusively liked baseball because the game, I think because the game has fairly simple rules, it's a slower game, I still like baseball. But when I got to be a teenager, close to college, um, I had some friends who liked hockey. And so they said, hey, you should watch hockey. And I turned it on, and the rules are confusing. The game is so fast. It's moving. I just, just didn't get it. And I said, forget it. Until a few years later when the Detroit Red Wings, I grew up in Michigan, the Detroit Red Wings started being really good, and some of my buddies from college would get together and we would watch the game and we would analyze it, we would talk about the rules, we would say, well, why, why did they stop right there? What's going on? We started, be, our eyes started to be able to follow this fast-moving puck and the moving people, and we started to see the beauty of what's going on there, and it became, what was confusing became a joy and a delight. The, the, the things slowed down with the diligence and attention to what was going on. And I, th- I think that's often what's, what happens to us when we approach God's word is that there's so much going on, you know, different genres. You know, God communicates through poetry and proverbs and stories and letters. And we just, it's hard for us to put all the pieces together. There's names that are confusing, uh, a history that is so detached from our reality that we have a hard time with it. But God says, pursue it, pursue it and, and listen to it. Um, make, make, your, make your ear attentive to it. And incline your heart to receive it. Call out um, the, 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 the role of prayer in understanding God's word. I think we minimize that import, the importance of prayer in uh, understanding God's word. I think it's appropriate for us to approach God's word when we're going to read, to ask God to give us an accurate understanding um, It's appropriate for us to pray through God's word. It's appropriate for us to pray after we've read God's word that we might remember it, that it might stick. And to remember that it's a a marathon. (laughs) You might pick up bits and pieces today, or maybe not, but it's the collective study over years, days and weeks and years that plant these things into our heart. And it takes effort and diligence. But I want, to be, I want to be very careful here. The effort and diligence in approaching God's word and understanding it is, if you're going to put a fine point on it, it's effort and diligence in your humility and submission to God's word. If you look at, again at those, those commands from verses 1 to 4, We put ourselves under God's word and we are recognizing our need to receive this wisdom from God. That is is an act of submission and humility. We know that we, we are admitting that we must receive God's word and we must do what we need to to treasure it and value it as true treasure. We need to be diligent to be willing to hear what God says rather than approaching God's word saying, 
this is what I want it to say, or I don't like what that has to say. We have to be willing to hear it. And it's an act of humility and submission to call out, to say to God, I need wisdom. I need you to direct me in this. And to be willing to hear what he has to say. Because his ways are much higher and often much more difficult than we would admit. And we must seek it and search it. That means it takes patience and persistence as we struggle to find that wisdom. So it takes that diligence, but in humility and submission. But we also have to be careful because look again at what it says in verse 7. I think this is very important for us. It says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and He is a shield for those who walk in integrity. And that's important because what it, who, who is the upright? Who, who walks in integrity? If we submit ourselves to what God's word says, there is no one that is righteous, not even one. That's, we, but it also says, in a man's heart, all his ways are right, but the Lord is the one who tests the heart. So there's a part of us that thinks, oh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the upright. Of course I'm the upright. So that wisdom is for me. And that walking in integrity is walking with the single-mindedness of submitting to God's way, God's word, and living it out. But even when it comes to trying to read and study God's word, we, we know that we, we can't live up to that. We know that we're not upright. We can, we can, we can read these Proverbs and we can say, yeah, that's, that's, that seems wise, and yet we fail to uphold that. And so what we have to understand is, who is the upright? There was only one who was upright, and that's our Savior Jesus Christ. And if we consider his life, this is exactly what he did. He received God's word. It was his word, but he received it and treasured it. He made his ears attentive to wisdom, and he inclined his heart to understanding. He called out. He was in daily prayer asking that the Lord would give him wisdom as he approached his own word. He sought out that wisdom that he would live it. And Scripture says that he grew in wisdom and in favor of God and man. He was the upright one. He was the one who walked in integrity. But if, you, if we think about this passage, this, this Proverbs chapter 2, you know, it's saying that this wisdom will protect you. It will, it will allow you to keep this treasure because of if you walk in the way of integrity, the Lord will watch over you. He'll be this shield. And we can look at the, the life of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ and we can say, but did he? Did he really? Because Jesus' life was, it was marked by suffering, marked by things not going his way. In fact, uh, it says the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. And Jesus was cut off from the land of the living, as Isaiah prophesied. We considered him cut off. But what we know 
if we submit ourselves to this wisdom from God, is that Jesus Christ was cut off because God laid on him our wickedness, your wickedness. He was cut off. Though he was perfectly righteous, he perfectly followed God's will and submitted himself to it. He was faithful to the point of death, even death on a cross. But then he was raised. He was raised to new life and he has inherited all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. He has inherited the nations. And it says, it says the upright will inhabit the land. He's not only inhabited it, but he has inherited it. He is now king of kings and lord of lords. He will remain forever and ever. So this promise is true in him. That he who walked faithfully, yes, as yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He will inhabit the land forever and ever. And so what we have to see is that ultimately this wisdom, this treasure that we're looking for is not simply some abstract wisdom in God's word. It is Christ himself. It is the wisdom of Christ himself. So if we go back to those four verbs, verses one to four, we have to think about them in context of receiving Christ himself. If we receive Christ and treasure Christ as our very soul, if we make our ear attentive to his grace and incline our heart to understanding him, if we call out for Christ and raise our voice to have more of Christ in our life and the wisdom that comes in him, if we search him for silver, and search for him as like hidden treasure. Then we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord are found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our wisdom. And apart from him, apart from him the, the wisdom of God is foolishness. And Paul said this in Colossians chapter 2. He said, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he is our wisdom, but also in him, this wisdom that God conveys is ours. So we can actually walk in it. Um, but we have to see the wisdom of God through the looking glass of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word is not just some random collection of 66 books. It is a grand drama of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so wherever we are, we are looking through the lens of Jesus Christ and trying to understand what that means. And in some parts of Scripture, that is particularly difficult. And Proverbs is actually one of those places because Proverbs approaches us with these wisdom principles. And it's easy for us to take them simply as wisdom principles, but we need to see them through the lens of Christ. And I'll give you an example. Just, just picked one at random. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer or gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And we've probably all heard this one before. A gentle answer stirs up wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. There is wisdom in this statement that God tells us. You know, when we are, we need to respond gently because that is a way of bring, bringing peace but there, but there is this is this is God's treasure 
because this is a reflection of who Christ is. That Christ was gentle and kind. That even when he was reviled, he did not revile in return, but he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He is the one who was so gentle he would not break a bruised reed. And so there is wisdom and there's treasure because God revealed this wisdom through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as we live this out, we are emulating the wisdom of God. We are living it out and emulating being conformed to the image of Christ. But also, it's the treasure of God because it drives us to Christ. Because who of us knows, who of us doesn't know what it is to respond with that harsh anger when we ought to be gentle and kind, who have stirred up those fights, those that cause that wrath. And so when we are faced with that, we are reminded of Christ's perfection, Christ living out that wisdom on our behalf. And we are, we, we are drawn close to him to hear God's grace. And then receiving that grace, his spirit works in us that which is pleasing in his sight, so that we can live out that Christ-likeness for God's glory. And it is Christ's spirit, his obedient spirit, his humble spirit, that enables us to listen, to prepare, to ask, and to seek, and to view this as real treasure. Because apart from the spirit of Christ, this is folly. This is not wisdom. But with the spirit of Christ himself, we have given the eyes to see the value of this treasure. And we have to, we have to be very careful also because when we read Proverbs, it's, it gives us a sense of do this and you're going to get this result. Do this other thing and you're going to get this other result. And we know that our experience doesn't match that. Um, we know that if we live in accordance with God's word, even if we were to ab- be able to do it perfectly, we would not fully receive blessing in this life. I think it's right for us to understand that if we follow God's word, we will be blessed and we will experience some blessing in this life. It will go better for us if we are obedient to God rather than being disobedient to God. And if we adhere to God's wisdom, it will turn out better for us. But it's not in this life any more than it was for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to look at his life where he was perfect in his obedience. And yet he suffered. And being united to him, being part of his body, we can experience the same thing. We're in the midst of this fallen world. We will experience suffering. And yet there is true eternal blessing, we will inherit the land. We will remain in it if we are upright in Christ Jesus and walk in integrity by the power of his spirit. Isaiah chapter 33 says this. He says, the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times, the abundance of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. 
The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Beloved, this is the treasure that we receive in Jesus Christ because he is the treasure. He is the treasure. He is a treasure for all who receive him, for all who ask for him, for all who keep him from now until the day of eternity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you lavish your treasure on us in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that we would value him as our treasure, that you would make us wise in him, that we might be pleasing to you even in the midst of this life, but that we might cling to the hope that is ours, that you have promised to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.